Uh, Father God, we uh, want to see a great move of your Spirit in our lives, in our loved ones, Lord, today and in the days ahead. So, Father God, we consecrate this night to you, Lord, that, Father God, you would have your way in our families, Lord God, that, Father God, your outpouring of salvation would come, Lord, to our loved ones who don't know you or have walked away from you. Father God, we're calling them back tonight to come to the kingdom of God, to come home to Father's house. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, what we're doing tonight, uh, the Lord had instructed me to share on believing for household salvation. So all of us, I'm sure, one place or another, we have uh, loved ones that have not met Christ as their Savior, uh, perhaps our own family. Uh, that's the idea here. Uh, perhaps those that have met Christ and have walked away. And I'm sure all of us have dear loved ones that they've received the Lord, but they don't live like it. They just don't seem to care. They seem to have no passion for the things of God. They need to be, too, called back to Father's house. Amen? Who wants to be in a marriage where there is no passion? Why would Father God want children that has no passion for Him? Come on, that's not normal. It should have passion for the Lord. So uh, I want to speak to you tonight on this, and we're going to pray tonight. That's, that's why we're mostly here. So it's going to be very interactive tonight. Um, we'll get there, but all through the Word of God, uh, we learn that families are very important to God. You can't miss that when you go through the Word of God. One way to look at the Bible, it's about families. Uh, the family, the father, the mother, the uh, children, the grandparents, they're all very important in the plan of God. And it's been a foundation for God since the beginning of the human family. Families are the center for him that he works through. So if you consider, uh, a lot of folks here I know are going to be praying for children uh, that are adults, uh, maybe teenagers. Uh, what's more important in your life really than your children? At least in the Hebrew mindset, nothing is more important to them than their children. The Arab mindset, same way. What, no, nothing is more important than their children. Not what you own, not your education, not your career, not what others think of you. Your children are the most valuable, if you would, asset you have in, in life this side of heaven. Uh, in Psalm 22, in verse 27, it says, All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will worship before thee. How about that? The families will worship. Doesn't say they're individuals. How about that? Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, Paul says, For this reason I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family, how about that? Didn't say person or individual. Every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Families, again, we see in Old and New Testament. Uh, the body of believers will recognize uh, God as Father. The Almighty God of the universe, and we are born again, becomes Father God. And in the Arab, uh, Abba or Daddy, he becomes Father God, an affectionate Father. And we bow our knee and honor Father God, and he has a family that he wants to bless the earth through. Your family, my family. Do you realize that? If you're believers, your family is meant, not you personally, the family is meant to be a blessing on this earth, wherever you are, wherever you live. Whatever neighborhood you live in, that neighborhood's blessed because you're there. 
Your presence is there. Your family is a blessing to them. Wow, heavy stuff. We have to start to think like this. Now, Father God looks for those who will honor him with their family life. So in uh, Genesis here, chapter 18, verse 19, it says, And the Lord said, I know Abraham, and he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord. Um, so I'm, believe, I'm sure there are believers in this room or those listening on the internet tonight that are doing that just as well. You've given your children every opportunity uh, of godly parents and church. And, um, but like the prodigal in the parable Jesus spoke about, they walked away. Well, it's time to call them back in. Amen? Time to call them back in. And very important in that verse there in Genesis, we see the word children and household. Uh, the believer needs to know that uh, God is on our side. He's on the side of families. Very important we start to realize that. He's on the side of families. And here now, as we see in Luke, I really foundation scripture for tonight, chapter 11. Uh, actually, this is in Acts. Luke wrote this, sorry. Uh, Acts chapter 11, verses 13 and 14. And he reported to us how he had sent an angel standing in his house and said and saying send to Joppa and have Simon who is called Peter brought here and he will speak words to you by which you will be saved you and your household and the notice there the household family issue here household salvation is promised us in the word of God and that's what you need to hold on to you and your household. So if we have, it's been said for a long time, absolutely agree. You know, if, if you have, uh, if you're one of those people that have just walked away from the house of the Lord and you got some praying grandma, you're doomed. <laughs> you are going to come to Christ. Life will be miserable until you come to Christ. Because the most miserable person on this earth is not someone that's lost. It's someone that's a believer and refuses to walk like one. That's the miserable person. His Holy Spirit's God is hooking you and he's pulling and you want to pull in the opposite direction and that hurts. You have a believing mother, yes, those believing mothers, believing mother, believing grandmas, you're finished. You are going to walk with the Lord whether you like it or not. And as those of you who have come back can testify to that. So that's a very important issue. So we have then that promise here of household salvation. And because you're believers... You have a great influence in the spirit realm over your children. You have an immensely great influence. You're tied spiritually, and the Lord recognizes that because he wants to see household salvation. He wants families to enter into eternity with him. And therefore, you have an immense influence in the spirit realm over your children. Uh, so if you as parents or grandparents won't call them back in, who will? I mean, who will? You are literally their lifeline. You're it. You need to take that uh, ministry very seriously in the Lord. You're it. You're the one that God is expecting to hold on to the family of God. Uh, so you know the story of prodigal son. We have some time. Let me go there. Those are the nice people who are doing the scriptures for us. I didn't give them the scripture. We're going to go to Luke chapter 15, and we're going to read 11 to 24, and then verse 32. So in Luke chapter 15 here, we see Jesus speaking, and he says another parable here. And he said, a certain man had two sons. 
the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me this share of the estate that falls to me and will be divided. And he divided his wealth between them. And not many days after, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey to a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. And when he had spent everything, a famine, a severe famine, occurred in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and attached himself to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he was longing to fill his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one would give him anything to him. And when he came to his senses, I love that, when he came to his senses, yes, and said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, and I'm dying here with hunger. I will get up, and I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired men. He got up and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. The son ceased, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father cut him off. In verse 22, But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. Sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf. Kill it. Let's eat and be merry. For this son of mine who was dead has come to life again. He was lost and he's been found. And they began to be merry. Now there's more to this parable I'm not going to read because it goes into a different area. But at the end of verse 32, he says to the elder son, but we have to be merry and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live. And it was lost and has been found. You know, they call this parable, as you know, the prodigal son. Bad title. It should be called the forgiving father. That's really what this is about. It's not about prodigal. It's about the forgiving father. Most of Jesus' parables have to do with the Jews and the Gentiles. This is one of them again, about the transference from the kingdom of God, inviting the Gentiles. And obviously here, here the elder brother is upset that, this, that, the, that his brother came in. He obviously represents Israel. The, uh, the brother that has gone off into sin is the Gentiles. They've been now called in, still the same father. We can go, that's not what we're talking about tonight, but uh, here the point is prodigal comes to his senses, uh, and he went back to father's house. You know, sometimes you read in between the lines here, don't you think father must have been praying for him? Don't you think father must have been calling him back in the natural here? Uh, but of course, father God had a plan to get the non-Jew into the kingdom. And praise God, if unless you were born Jewish, I was not, I've been grafted in. Amen. And uh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God, you've taken me in. So prodigal here comes to his senses, comes back to Father's house, and that's what we're doing tonight. Tonight, uh, the Lord told me that we're to call back those of the house of God and, we, and to get our prodigals back to the life that they should be in, in Father's house. Now, some have maybe have not received Christ as their Savior. I said that before. Maybe some have walked away. They have received the Lord, but they are not living that way as they got older. Uh, maybe you have adult children that are definitely saved, but they have no passion for the thing of the Lord or His church. They need to be called back in too. Many need to come to their senses. 
Many people need to come to their senses. I've seen people uh, walk away from the Lord, come back, and they almost say the same thing. I've come to my senses. Yeah, amen. Welcome back. I've come to my senses. And we should be receiving people back, not by, making, not, not by punishing them to come back. Amen? Now, oddly enough, in the first and second century, there were problems because you had the Roman Empire, and if you, they want you to renounce Christ and proclaim Caesar as God. Well, obviously, people wouldn't do that, and they lost their lives for the gospel's sake. They were martyred. Yet, there were Christians that did renounce Christ, and a lot of them tried to come back. That was a real controversy in the early church because you had a whole group that said, we don't want them back, and the other church, we have to take them back. We don't want them. We have to. So that was a real controversy in the early church. Because uh, a lot of them wanted to be the elder brother and say, no, we don't want those people back. My brother died for Christ. We don't want them back. But how can you say no? So, you know, the elder brother is not the favorite one here. Uh, he refuses to let someone repent. We should never refuse someone to repent. Big controversy in the early church. Uh, but... Uh, we, we don't want to have the spirit of the elder brother. That, that's the point. We want to welcome people that have done wrong to come back to the Lord. Love them back into the kingdom of God. Help them get restored. My gosh, the Lord receive, uh, received me, forgave me of my sin. How can I say no to others? Amen? But you do want genuine repentance, right? Technically, the pattern is first you have remorse for sin. Then you have repentance, which is a turning around. Then you have the fruits of repentance. Show me a new life now that walks with God. That's how you know someone's been restored. Only God knows their heart. But we have to know by the actions. Has, are there fruits of repentance? Have you turned away from, the, from sin? So yes, we want to see people have the fruits of repentance. Uh, many have been taken over by their own selfish sinfulness. Uh, some have fallen into drug addiction. Uh, some alcoholism. Others have been, um, you know, in spiritual captivity, enslaved to a life of sin, uh, enslaved by deception, by the evil one. Doesn't he deceive and cause people to walk away? It says in Psalm 127, verse 3, that children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is a reward. So our children are a reward to us. Even though if they're, they may be adults, they're still your little babies. My son hates when I say to him, you're still my little baby boy. He hates that, just like I hated it when my mother said that to me. Uh, hey, it's the way it is. You'll always be my baby boy. And they are, they are a reward from the Lord. Now, very important, in Psalm 28, I said that wrong, Deuteronomy chapter 28, uh, we have what's called the blessings and curses of the law. And in verse 4, it says, blessed will be the children of your womb. This is the will of God, that we have blessed children. It says in verse 18, cursed will be the children of your womb. This is for the rejectors of the covenant. Those who reject the Lord Jesus Christ, the rejectors of the covenant. But it says to us in chapter 3, verse 13 of Galatians, very important verse. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. Jesus has taken away the curse at the cross for you and for me. 
So it goes on to say in verse 14 that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So that means the blessings of Deuteronomy 28 we receive in Christ. We do not receive the curse. The, that is not God's will for our lives and families. The, aim, the enemy, the evil one, would like to see the curse that Jesus has taken away from us overtake us. And one of those curses we had just read, here's another one, in verse 32 of Deuteronomy 28, your sons and your daughters will be given to another people while your eyes look on and long for them constantly, there will be nothing you can do. That is not my inheritance. That is not your inheritance. And yet that is what so many people right now are experiencing in the body of Christ. Seeing their children being taken away by the wicked one in a life that they never planned for their children. And there's, it appears in the natural there's nothing you can do. We can, everything we can do in the spirit. Too many have gone into addictions and poverty. This is not the inheritance for our children or our grandchildren. We are redeemed from this. And it's very important that we never tolerate anything Jesus has redeemed us from. That means for your children and your grandchildren as well. It should bother us. And there's everything we can do because we're connected to the Father and we have a power of faith in believing. And that's exactly what we're going to do tonight. Now, some people might say, well, don't they have a free will to say no and not come back? Yeah, but you have to understand something. We're influencing their free will because of the promise of household salvation. A free will is not something in concrete that's immovable. It's more like a green branch that can be bent depending on the influence it gets from one side to another. You have great influence to bend. You have great influence to bend it so they choose on, for themselves what's the right thing to do. So let's start here. I want you to do something special. We're interactive tonight. Ushers, how about if you give people index cards? Uh, I'm sure you want one, but if you have lost loved ones, what I want you to do, they're going to come out with index cards here in pens. Please take an index card, or more if you need them, and write the names of the people of your household that have not received Christ or have walked away. Uh, write, your names on, write their names on the card. So they're going to come around now with cards. Uh, you don't have to take one if you don't want to, but if, uh, those, I'm sure you have uh, children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, etc. part of household salvation. Uh, when they, they're going to come, we'll take a few minutes here. They're going to come and bring you cards. And um, right, they can keep the pen. We, we, we don't want the pen back. Uh, and uh, write their names on the cards of those people. This is not lazy night. This is interactive night, okay? So write the names on the cards of those who need to come to Christ, need to come back into the kingdom. Maybe if someone could help one of the ushers uh, pass some of those around, that would be good. There we go. Lots of time on the clock, no problem there. I have time for a drink.
I hope everyone takes a card. I mean, come on. You don't live on an island somewhere by yourself. We all have family that we want to see come into the kingdom. I guess one card's enough. I mean, you can write a whole bunch of names on one card. That's easy. But if you need more than one, I get it. If you have a Healy dynasty there with all these. But they're all saved, though. They're all walking with the Lord. But just in case you have one of those real big families. Well, how many descendants do you have? Grandchildren. 31 grandchildren. You are blessed of the Lord. Amen. Wow. My, my great-grandfather lived to be 100. He had 23 children, two wives. One died after seven children. The other one had 16 children. Some of them died as babies. But I think his descendants were in the hundreds. Between children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren, in the hundreds. Yeah. He was saved, while you're writing here, he was saved on his 100th birthday. On his 100th birthday, he had one family member who was born again, my Aunt Caroline. That was it. And she, she sat on his bed and she said she wanted to pray with him uh, for his sins to be forgiven, that he would be born again. And he said in Italian, I don't make no sense. <laughs> no, you don't understand. <laughs> so she tried to explain to him, he received the Lord on his 100th birthday and died three days later. How about that? All these years, I thought this guy was lost. And she tells me, when she was a senior citizen, oh no, I led him to Christ on his 100th birthday. Nobody told me this. Wow. So old Pasquale, he ended up uh, receiving Christ at 100 years old. Glory to God. Okay, did everyone get a card who wants one? Okay. All right, so you're writing. That's okay. I don't want to take your time. Go right ahead and write. Write any of the names on them in your, what you consider your household of faith. Again, that's, that's very personal. I know some people are very attached to siblings and nieces and nephews. I get it. If you consider that your household of faith, how far does your faith stretch? Got it. Just write them all down, as many as you want. I'm sure you all have uh, unsaved brothers, sisters. Um, but we're focusing on children and grandchildren tonight, but that's okay. You can put them on, you can get them there too. All right? I see people still writing, so we'll wait. Like I said, this is not lazy night. We're going to be doing something with this. Everybody done? I see Maureen still writing. Everybody done? Okay, now I want you to do me a favor. I want you to take the cards and I want you to place them on the altar steps. Maybe you can get those in your row so not everybody has to get up at once. Put them on the altar steps here. Put them there. Like I said, not lazy night. I want you to place them on the altar. While you're doing that, let me explain to you. Altars are very important in the Word of God. Altars are places where you meet God. All through the Bible. God does things at altars. We don't have to figure this out with our heads. But here is a special place. It doesn't look any different with your eyes other than you see steps. But the, the Lord God meets people at altars. I can't tell you over the years enough the, the miracles that have happened at these altars, people that have come to Christ supernaturally at these altars. I remember one guy was trying to fight 
coming to the altar. He was kind of like walking back like this, and something spiritually was pushing him to the altar. Never saw anything like that before. Miles, remember? Never saw anything like that before. He was like going like this, and he, and he, had, he had to get to the altar, and he received Christ. Amazing. Amazing stuff. God does supernatural things at altars. Also, it's very important to remember, altars are places where we find the mercy of God. It's a picture of finding God's mercy. Grace is getting what you do not deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. This is where we're calling on heaven that they do not deserve judgment in their lives. We're calling them back for the mercy of God for their lives. Anybody else for the altar here? <laughs> Go right ahead. The altar is very important. It's a place where we want to find the mercy of God. Now, our lovely uh, greeters here, if anyone would like to help them, we're going to hand out a prayer to everybody. I'm going to pray with you, but we're going to hand out a prayer to everybody here. Now, if those who are watching online, you can uh, get this off the Grace and Peace website, download it for yourself. Uh, if people have no internet, the church will mail it to you. You have to call them up and ask. One lady this past Sunday couldn't be here. She didn't have internet, so uh, we had that mailed to her. Um, you know, there's a... There's a prophet, uh, Graham Cook. Graham Cook has an unusual slant when he ministers. He likes to write out prayers for people rather than giving people a prophetic word. Very interesting. He writes them out and gives it to them so they pray it for themselves, which I thought is a cool thing. Now, he's probably from an Anglican background from umpteen years past. He's from England. But that's a nice idea. I like that. And this is something you can take with you and share with other people if you like. So I want to lead you in a prayer tonight for your children, for your youth, for your young adults, or whatever you're calling the household of faith. We're going to pray tonight, and we're going to call in the spirit realm for them to return. Saying this prayer is not magic. Believing in the words, putting faith to them is what matters. Not just meaningless rote of words. Anybody can do that and not even be saved. But when we put our faith in what we pray, believing in what we say, even though I don't see it, believing it will come to pass, that the Lord honors in the name of Jesus. Jesus tells us to ask in the Father's name so that our joy would be made full. Very often when I ask prayer requests and I pray, I say, Father God, and I ask this in the name of Jesus as my Savior has instructed me to ask that my joy would be made full. Can't get more scriptural than that when you pray, I'll tell you. Anyway, so uh, that's what we're doing tonight. Um, and we're going to believe here for ministering angels. We're going to seek them out. We don't tell angels what to do. Father God tells them what to do. But by putting the Word of God out, they hearken to the Word of God. And how God does this, He doesn't really tell us. But Father sends them out. And you want to have angels to go sig over these kids. You know, go, go for them. And call them back into the kingdom. And somebody could just wake up in the middle of the night and go, man, I'm eating pig food. What am I doing? And come home to Father. Amen. Amen. Now, um, before we pray, you'll notice here there's a lot of underlines. What I'd like you to do is you also take this home. And when you go home tonight or perhaps first thing in the morning, the underline means you put their name in there. 
So let's say you're, the, you're praying for Billy, crying out in faith for mercy for Billy. You put his name right in there. That's what that's for. We're going to pray in the generic tonight, but you should pray this once more, uh, perhaps tomorrow morning, perhaps tonight, putting their names in there. You don't have to, but I would highly suggest if I wanted my loved ones to come home, I couldn't pray this enough. Amen? All right. Let's pray. You ready? Let's pray together. Repeat after me. Father God, I come to you today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, my Savior, crying out in faith for mercy for those of my family members that are backslidden and unsaved. I take up my authority as a son of God. Sit in the heavenly places. I make war against everything that has bound them, blinded them, and hardened their hearts toward the call of your love, Lord Jesus Christ, to repent and be saved. I stand in the gap on their behalf for any generational sins and family behaviors that have grieved your Holy Spirit, mocked the things of God, rebelled against your conviction of sin. I repent for any cultural belief systems, mottos, and family vows that have bound them to the world or given the power to the evil one. I rebuke you, Satan, off my family and my loved ones, and I claim them all for the kingdom of God. I claim them saved, healed, and delivered, and serving the living God, the Lord Jesus Christ, with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength. In Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that you would break the scales off their eyes and open every prison door in their heart and draw them towards yourself, Father God, in the name of Jesus. I pray for the release of angels to work in their circumstances. To bring them to a place of encounter with you and with other Christians. And that they might hear the wonderful news of your gift of salvation, your healing and delivering power in Jesus' name. I declare in faith the blood of Jesus was shed for their sins. And I apply it over them, praying that you will move in the midst of every work of rebellion, condemnation, accusation, guilt, shame, and rejection, and tug on their hearts till they bow their knees to your will and purpose in their lives. I give you praise, Father God, 
And I thank you that you wish that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance and eternal life. I pray all these things, believing that you have heard my prayer and that I have the desire of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank the Lord. Yes, thank you, Lord, that you would hear our prayer today, Father. Thank you. Amen. Things are happening right now that you can't see with your eyes. You can't feel, with your, you can't feel it with your five senses. Angels are going zoom, 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 zoom all over the place because you called them. And now these people who would resist the gospel, they're doomed. They are doomed. They are pregnant with the gospel and they're going to give birth. Amen. They're going to give birth to salvation. They're going to return to Father's house. And make sure when they return that we be forgiving Father in the prodigal parable, not the elder brother. I got a lot to say to you. You know what you just put me through. None of that nonsense. You just love them. Love them with the love of Christ. Welcome them into Father God's house. Amen. Now, these cards, they don't go in the garbage. We're going to collect all these cards, and I'm going to take them. And we're going to bring them to the pastors whenever we meet. And they're going to be in a pile in a rubber band, and we're going to lay hands on them. And we're going to stay in faith with you, believing God for them to come into the kingdom. I am not throwing these out. We will stay believing with you. You need to know that. We will stay believing with you. We will remain in faith with you. This isn't here for tonight only. We stay in faith together. If you believe, I believe. Prayer of agreement means we believe together. Uh, you give me what you can, I give you what I can, and together our faith is joined even stronger for believing. Let me tell you a true story. Uh, we're, we're pretty much done. Let me tell you a true story here. Uh, Dr. Cho had one of the largest churches in the world in Korea. Uh, I think it would end up being a church like a million people. Um, South Korea. Uh, in the Korean War, they were a very tiny church. I think that's when they began, pretty much. I'm not sure when. Very, very tiny church. And there were young men from his church that were going to war. I mean, they're fighting for their country. And the people in his church, wasn't many, were very, very nervous. There was a very good chance they're not coming back alive. Very good chance. So Dr. Cho said, no, this is unacceptable. I don't know exactly what words he used, but he said we're connected to them in faith. They are your family. Very some similar things that I said tonight, but I don't know what he said. But anyway, a very small group of people, and he said, let's get together in a circle. And let's now make a pact before God and pray that none of these boys will be killed and all will come home without being maimed in war. They prayed together that night, and I don't know how they stayed in prayer. I don't know the details, but when the war was over, not one of those soldiers were harmed or died. Wow, not one, not one. That was the right thing to do. Their church remained in agreement in prayer. That's why I'm telling you with the cards here, they don't stay here. That we are going to remain in agreement in prayer. And uh, we will pray the prayer of faith over them, always believing for uh, household salvation. Now, work with me. When they do return, will you let us know? 
so that we can all rejoice with you. Please let one, some of the pastors know and tell them not to keep it to themselves, but blab it, okay? So we all can know. Some of them go, oh, that's real nice, and they never repeat it. Say something. Uh, I've done that. Somebody has, you know, may give me a victory report, and I never tell anybody. Like, dumb, say something. Uh, so, yeah, we all want to know. We all want to rejoice with you so we can all rejoice. Because I believe hundreds will be coming into the kingdom. And they should be sitting alongside of you. Now, granted, you know, some folks, they live in, you know, distant places. They can't do that. But where it's possible, they should be sitting with you, enjoying the presence of the Lord. Because like I started with, God loves families. God wants to see household salvation. But we can't be passive about it, thinking he's going to do it all without our faith. Because our faith pulls down from heaven. He responds to those who walk in faith. Not that those that cry, those that hold on in faith. And when he responds to the ones holding on in faith, and he uh, makes a connection, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, as it says in the Word of God. That's the kind of lives we ought to be living. So if you're serious about their salvation, we need to be serious about their salvation. If we're not serious, God is merciful, but nothing's pulling on heaven.